minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He put a 50, 60, 70 request. They would look the army then and we kind of went through the list of who deserved the most. There could be a lot of lads texting. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, we've much to discuss. We have our respective squads named for Ireland's tour to New Zealand. Meanwhile, Leinster and Ulster have bowed out of the URC at the semi-final stages. Very happy to say Brian O'Driscoll is with us on a Wednesday. Hello. Hi, Joe. Great to have you with us. Like I said, a load of things to get through. This New Zealand tour, I mean, the closer it gets and the more real it gets, the more exciting I think it becomes. There's a three-day mini-camp happening now for the Irish team. Andy Farrell was making the point that given the reconfiguration of the global calendar uh, very soon it seems a tour like this is increasingly historic it may not happen again there are 70 all told people going 40 players 30 members of staff he called it lions-esque yeah it's some size of a squad isn't it um but needs must you know you look at the beside the test series the other games involved um the expectation of what of how physical they will be the the, the toll that's going to take on the squad um also an opportunity probably a, a realistic last opportunity to really try some guys to see whether they're going to be worthy of making it to his final squad in whatever 15 16 months time um so lots of opportunity but with it, I wouldn't say trepidation comes with it, but it, there's a nervousness definitely now the squad's announced, particularly on the back of what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, you know, mainly from Leinster, you know, which are the mainstay of the national team at the moment. And you just, there'd be a few concerns about energy reserves coming to the end of the season. But that that's the cycle of where we're working. You talk about the global seasons, why we're trying to match it up, because... It happens to the All Blacks, it happens to the Southern Hemisphere teams in November where they're coming to the end of um, their energy reserves and, and we kind of get them. And then on the flip side, we go to you know, tour them in, in June where they're halfway through their season, they're fresh and ready for international rugby. And, and you know, you don't have one eye on, on your holidays, but you're, you know, you're, you're trying to dig deep. So it's, it, it can't come quick enough that global season because it'll, it, it'll kind of equalise everyone's performances at the same time. And did you generally feel like you were running on fumes a touch come those June tours? I, I think it's very dependent on the age profile of the individual, um, you know, how much they played that season, how many injury layoffs they may have had, um, you know, what injuries they are carrying. So there's there's so many kind of variables to how you feel towards the end of a season. Um, the other thing as well is your, you know, you know, what you've managed to achieve from a, a success point of view, where you're whether you're buoyed by that or whether you're a bit deflated by recent results, what happened in the Six Nations. So you put all of that into into the melting pot and and all of a sudden you get a number of different emotions from different guys. You've got guys going on tour for the first time, guys that are really trying to stake a claim for a starting spot or a spot on the 23 and there's guys trying to hang on for dear life as well for another 15 16 months to get to that world cup so you've got a real mishmash of of how people are feeling um you know coming towards the end of the season and there will be some guys that you'll really need to keep on tour because they'll feel flashed and they'll feel a little bit over and maybe they haven't been excited by their provincial setup um, and that they'll be looking forward to next season and, and new beginnings. So this will all get underway 
June 29th with the Maori All Blacks. And then on the Saturday following that, July 2nd, New Zealand, a week's break, July 9th, New Zealand, then the Maori All Blacks on the Tuesday after that second test, and then July 16th, New Zealand. Gordon Darcy was in the morning show this morning. He summed it up quite well. He said, considering uh, the quality and the physicality as well of these Maori matches, it's like a Six Nations in three and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, that is a good summation. Um, it is. It, it's different rugby in New Zealand. And, and, and you, you know, even when they come up here, it, it feels it's all consuming down there. You know, the man in the street, you know, um, irrespective of the age profile of, of you know, the, um, the, the people that you're chatting to, they mightn't necessarily know our in, us as individuals, but they know who's in town and they'll be, you know, keeping a very close eye on their All Blacks. And so, you know, there's no escaping it. So it's going to be incredibly intense, incredibly physical. You have to remember, too, that last November we we got them again. And yeah. they're a little bit sore about it, too. So they have a point to prove. You know, there's a couple of question marks around, around their coaching ticket, whether, you know, it's, um, you know, it's definitely the one to bring them to the World Cup uh, next year in, in France. So they, they've got lots of points to prove um, as individuals, as a collective and as a coaching ticket. So, you know, I, th- I guess you've got to be very wary of, of that fact. And we don't have a good record down in New Zealand. I was very um, bullish back kind of post Six Nations that, yeah, we can definitely go down and pick off a win down there. As we get closer to the tour, I'm increase I'm, I'm decreasingly bullish i know it's like just nothing really demoralizing let's just get out of there intact is almost <laughs> but we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about irrespective of victory or defeat you're gonna learn a lot about certain individuals and whether they are there for the fight so mm. there's a massive opportunity for the likes of james hume who goes down there you know playing really good rugby um you know depending on who you talk to, but definitely feel, you know, people are saying that he's going to be starting to push Gary Ringrose for that 13 jersey. So if he can get, he's going to get to play at least one test match, you'd imagine, probably going to play in, in one of those Maori uh, games too. So if he can put in a couple of big performances, then all of a sudden he absolutely is in you know, the the end of the, the, the selection conversation rather than the, than the beginning where I think he still is at the moment. I still think there's a little bit of a goal. So, for guys like him, this is an enormous tour and, and an opportunity for him to properly stake a claim in, in a starting 15 jersey for, for a full, you know, full Irish team. Mm. There are uh, five survivors, I think, from the 2012 tour. A decade goes by pretty quickly, but Johnny Sexton, Keith Earls, Conor Murray, Keane Healy, Peter Amani have all survived. And to jog general memories, that was test one pretty well beaten. Test two was the one that was the Dan Carter drop goal. I remember being, I was at Euro 2012 and we were at an Irish press conference and word was coming through that it was it was on and it was on and then it wasn't. And then th- test three, uh, lest you need reminding, 60 nil. So that suggests fumes in the last test, uh, certainly. Uh, like, Yeah, but I, 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 you know, we obviously missed our chance in the second test. Um, you know, one or two, as I remember a really important scrum decision went against us when course our front row thought it should have gone the other way don't they always and you know all you can do is listen to your own players um and that would have been an opportunity for us to have had a shot at goal um so you know it was that was a you know a a painful defeat um although you know a draw defeat is all the same as you know similar to the 2014 loss in 
in the Aviva, it doesn't matter. You want that. Um, all we want is all elusive victory. And and now the one away from home is is a huge one. You look at England back in two thousand and three. They went away down to Wellington to the Cake Tin. You know, managed to battle it out with thirteen men for you know five minutes of the game. Like those moments are big. They're everlasting. For when you dig into reserves later on, you know, in a World Cup year, and you and you're up against the same opposition, and you remind yourself that you can go to their backyard and beat them. So that's why this tour is so important. It's it would be brilliant from a result point of view if we could get one of the tests. You do need to win one of the Maori games as well. I think. Um, I think that would be a really good outcome from from the tour, but um, you've got to get some form of victory because the Maori games are going to be ferocious too. These guys are, you know, playing with an opportunity to hopefully stake a claim in the in in their in the All Black jersey too. Yeah, because I, I I must say I don't have a great sense of what to expect from those Maori games. I mean, well, the Irish team won't be its absolute best team potentially, and and equally, where do they pitch up against Irish international yeah, well, sides? Well, so you're you're I, saying one win of two would be acceptable, yeah. Hmm. I think so. I think so. And, and listen, you, you could probably say, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, underestimate ourselves and go in and, and you know, hope for a, the two two victories against them. But again, like you said, it all depends on the sides that are selected, whether it's going to be full second string. Um, and, you know, I'd need to do a little bit more research into into the personnel that, that the Maoris are, are going to, to pick to understand, you know, who's really in form, who should we be wary of. But you can't go down there and think, oh, you know, one victory will be good. This is an Irish team that has gone on leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And expectation levels should be a bit higher now where, you know, once upon a time, let's hang in there and see what happens in the last 20 minutes is no longer any good. Now we're looking at trying to win a test match down there and, and truly believing that we can mm-hmm. not, you know, hanging on for dear life. Um, so, but the, old, the the Maori games are notoriously physical. I look back to the Lions in 2005. It was like that fourth test match. And I know they were really getting themselves up because, you know, you don't get an opportunity to play against the Lions very often. But we ended up losing that game. Um, it was littered with, with you know, really high caliber players as well. That some that subsequently went on to, um, to the All Blacks. Sorry, there's my hotel phone going. Tell me to get out of my room. Um so um, yeah, you you've to, you just have to be very mindful and wary that this is going to be a really really tough test against you know quality opposition. The other aspect of all this as well, and quite a few players have never been on tour before because of COVID. New Zealand in June sounds lovely, and then you have to rejog your memory. And of course, it's the depths of winter down there, and it gets dark early, and it's a bit of a grind. So you know they're having a mini camp today. If somebody, if you were still in there and you'd been there several times before, and they were to say. What's this like? You know, what should I prepare myself for uh, mentally? What would you say to them? I think you, you know, if I was an, an experienced player, I would try. I would try to. You got to talk glass half full. You got to talk about you know the opportunity rather than it's winter. It's dull. <laughs> it's dreary. So bad. It's so bad, guys. Get out while you can. It's it's a beautiful country, but you're not seeing it at its best. That's the reality of it. Sure. Um, so I, I think it's really important on tours like this with, with, that you do have an ability to get away from the rugby side of things because, as I said, it can be all-consuming. So, you know, I, I, I guess I'm probably not listening to my own advice in many ways where I, I was 
I was all consumed by the rugby and I didn't actually get to experience the country. I think I would encourage guys to go out and, and you know, separate themselves from, you know, the, the rugby focus, be it, you know, the analysis, the team meetings, the, the, the changing, the physio, all of that, and then get to, you know, appreciate what there is on offer, the activities, the you know, events that you can go to that are organized by, um, you know, liaison offers and whatnot. Um, I think you just have to, try and embrace the country and get as much as you possibly can out of it because you don't know if you're going to be back there again be it as a tourist or or even as as a holidayer so you know go and and try and have fun because that's the you know if you're if you're down on yourself and it's a bit you know grim you know that settles and that mm. you know, becomes your form so you've got to try and find a way to have a good time and um and, you know, it looks like it's a really well settled, fun squad. Management are doing a good job. There's a there's a good energy from them. So I think you've got to really harness that as well and try and get that to convert across into your play. Yeah. So in the main, there are lots of areas in this squad which look great and there's loads of depth. And then in other areas, and it's a few of the same old, same old, there are question marks once again, looking at the general reaction to the squad, which has been named. So certainly out half again jumps out to people. Johnny Sexton, Joey Carberry, Harry Byrne are the three. Jack Hardy is injured. Ross Byrne, Ben Healy are uh, looking on and, and seeing the writing on the wall. I suppose what we've said right across this year is, is maybe contrary to expectations we might have had some years ago is that in 2022, Johnny Sexton at his age has only re-emphasized the gap between him and the pack, which is the extraordinary uh, thing. So we can take that as red and he's, he's not under any pressure for his starting place. On Harry Byrne, just four starts for Leinster this year and very much the anointed one for, for some time now. At this stage, what do you think their thinking is on Harry Byrne and taking him? Because there isn't a body of work there to justify, ordinarily, there isn't a body of work to justify going on a tour like this and, and potentially with injuries, you know, finding himself playing in a third test against New Zealand. Yeah, I, I think, trying to gauge what they're thinking, I think they feel he's got the highest ceiling, the most capabilities, even though we haven't seen it yet. And I... And when he broke onto the scene a couple of years ago, um, you know, I, I for one thought he was you know, heir to the throne, and I've ultimately, with everybody else, been frustrated and disappointed disappointed that he hasn't been able to, to deliver when it's been asked of him. You know, he he you know he's a guy that tries the miracle ball when he comes on rather than playing his way into the game. Uh, he just needs to understand what requirements are as an international 10 because you can do one thing against dragons at home but it's very different new zealand away and the control aspect and, and he, he has you know i'm sure he's learned a huge amount from johnny sexton over the over the last while but he should be microscopically going through johnny's game and understanding what it is is that is his major point of difference and how he sees the game and the control and when and with his decision making and i guess you know joey hasn't properly had an opportunity to kick on through you know some injuries through lack of opportunity you'd have to imagine that all three of them have to get a test match don't they why, why are you bringing are you bringing harry Byrne down there just to play in the Mary games if you feel as though he may be involved in the world cup it's a, it's a nervous time at 10 yeah. it really is if this isn't going away and Johnny knows it himself that, you know, as a 37, 38 year old out half going to a World Cup, having to probably play certainly four, maybe five um, consecutive games to get to a World Cup final is 
a big ask if you look back at what's transpired in the last few years. It's a big, big ask. He's not the only one. I think there's other players probably as well that, mm. you know, w- would have a nervousness when you come, you know, to, if you manage to get to a semi-final. And I know that's a nice problem for us to have. We'll deal with that. If, if yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about it. It comes to pass, yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, you still want to, it does feel if you get, if, if we can get to a World Cup semi-final, one of the hardest jobs is done in that quarter-final. I mm. really believe that you can get to a final for sure. So I just, um, I, I, I remain nervous that we've such a reliance on Johnny and and, he's, and he is the age that he is. And as much as a warrior that he is, he has been more prone, like all aging players, to injury and toward and to suffocation by the opposition. It's so, it's, you know, in the in La Rochelle, we see it in all games now. They're trying to shut him out. They're trying to knock him as late as they possibly can get to get away with it because they realize how important he is to the Irish sides he plays in. So that's in you would you you reckon Harry Burns going there down there to start a test? Yeah, I think he probably should be. I think you've got to be thinking that way because say say you lose Johnny, right? Prior to the World Cup, say he doesn't make it, and so then Joey's your guy. You can't. Has Harry played two tests? Um, yeah, like off the bench. Yeah, like your third guy has to get test match rugby too. But he has to. isn't that Leinster's response? Like, this is the issue. I mean, he started four games all year for Leinster. Like, yeah, Andy Farrell can't be expected to get the game time into this guy. He doesn't have the, that many opportunities. But, like, is, is it his responsibility? It's, it's, it's his problem. It is his problem. He inherits it. But it's not um, the responsibility of Leinster to do it. You know, they're two, they're, they're, they're two different teams. The responsibility mm-hmm. of Leinster is to do right by Leinster. And to totally. win trophies, but it's why it's such a um, weird situation, isn't it? That you have a guy who's jumped. Let's see, you have Ross Byrne and you have Johnny Sexton, and you have the Irish management saying, "I'm going to leap past Ross Byrne and take the guy who's played no rugby." It's yeah, just an odd scenario. It is an, an odd scenario, but I understand why it's happened too. Yeah. I do. Sure. Um, I, I think there's way more chance of Harry Byrne doing a good job in my eyes um, in a World Cup than than his brother. And um, and he's had a tough couple of weeks. I, I feel a bit for Ross because I think he's really improved his running game um, this year. But in, in clutch moments, it just, he hasn't quite delivered. And, and there's, you know, there was a nervousness that came with, um, with him comparatively to, to Johnny in the, in the Bulls um, semi-final. There was a lot more fluidity as soon as Johnny came in. Um, with with less than half an hour to go, so I can understand why Andy Farrell has gazumped Ross and and brought in Harry because it does feel that with a bit of navigation and with him understanding his role, that from a talent and, and an opportunity point of view, I think he presents a little bit more than Ross. And do you suspect if Jack Carty was fit, that Jack Carty would go instead of Byrne? I think he probably would. Yeah, I think he would. Even though I don't know if there's, if there's enough confidence in Jack Carthy, you know, come World Cup time. Like anytime I mention about um, kind of residual um, scars left from the previous World Cup, Connacht supporters go bananas, going, oh, will you let it go? But the reality is that they do leave an indelible mark on Coach Sandy Farrell was part of that setup. So, you know, I don't know if they they don't want to go to their third ten at the moment. In truth, they want they want Johnny Sexton fit, and they want 
Joey Carberry fit because the, the next option hasn't proven itself when given the chances so far. Mm. Um, but you've, you've got to find a way to give them more opportunities um, this coming year because we would really be left with egg on our face if you know Johnny doesn't make it to the World Cup for some reason and we've got hardly any game time to our second or third choice out half and he finds himself in because of an injury to Joey Carberry early on in the tournament. That would yeah. be... That's that's a scenario we really don't want to find ourselves in. I guarantee you, I can't mark my words, I guarantee you in advance of the World Cup now, one of us here on the show will be asking you the question, should we rest Johnny until the quarterfinal? Because that's how dire the situation is going to feel. We can't risk him getting injured in the group stages. That's how reliant we're going to feel on him. I think you can play... I think you can. You have to play Johnny against Scotland. I think you have to. Like, I don't think you can take for granted that we're we're going to get beyond Scotland. I think if you you would hope that you know somebody else in there, the, the the job up front will be done, the platform will be laid for us to play, you know, get Joey into the system as you know, and to to be able to do a good enough job. You you would hope be hopeful for, but I think if that backfires, then there ain't any quarterfinal for for you. Or I can't remember the sequence. Is it Scotland first and then South Africa or vice versa? Um, but it, so it is, it's the two easier games and then you've got, so then you've got five tough games in a row. Um, so if, sorry, if you're getting to a final yeah. and, um, yeah, I, I just don't think you can, you, we're not in a position to be able to afford to leave one of our star players, our captain, our leader, our organizer on the bench or in, you know, out of the 23, because we think we're going to get to a quarterfinal. We're not that team. No. Yeah, when, until we get to a World Cup final, we can't then, you know, look and go, oh, you know, we're, we're planning for the full seven weeks when you could be home after four. Yes, agreed. Look no further than the RDS on Friday, just gone. One last question in this whole area, by the way. Kieran Frawley goes as a centre. Mm. I mean, Kieran Frawley's playing about as much at 10 as Harry Byrne is this season. Is it beyond conceivable, inconceivable that Kieran Frawley shouldn't be pitched in there? Does he not have a lot of the tools? Yeah, he does. I, I I was wondering, is he the option now? You know, because you know he, he definitely has the silky skills. I, I don't know the guy. We're missing a trick on on the personality and on the individual and what they what you know what they contribute from a communication point of view. What how they dominate a game and and that's so important to give confidence to the rest of the team. So I, I don't know Kieran Frawley, the individual out on the pitch, whether he is that guy. You need someone bossing things, barking at fours, telling them what you want to do, calling plays in, dictating um, terms of what you're looking for as an out-half. And um, and whether Frawley is that guy or not, like from afar, he looks like a really nice footballer and he's able to create and he's a great passing game and he's a good runner and he's, you know, he's brave enough and he's quite, you know, he's quite tall, probably could do with another little bit of muscle. But it does feel as though is he the possible heir to the throne when Johnny goes um, because of everybody being given an opportunity? And and he's probably shown that most consistency, albeit he's played an awful lot of 12 too. So I, I think he's in a 12, but with a view to maybe using him as a 10 potentially or sitting on the bench in one of the Maori games and giving him 20 minutes or half an hour, I think very possibly. Yeah, it makes it such an interesting tour if he was to suddenly flourish in that position. One other position which has been much discussed is at loose head. So Andrew Porter has come over and made that position very much his own. 
Uh, the supporting act there, I suppose, is increasingly in question. Keane Healy is 34. Leinster seem loath to bring him off the bench increasingly. Dave Kilcoyne is injured, and we've seen the likes of Eric O'Sullivan, Ed Byrne, even Peter Dooley come in and out of the squad. It's Jeremy Lockman who gets the nod here as third choice. But at a glance, that's another very important position where we're looking to touch light. Yeah, like, think about the importance of Andrew Porter to the team now, to the teams that he's involved in, like, really, really significant it's you know we've we've had to develop our game where our our loose head is far more than a scrummager and someone that hits rooks. There he's a ball carrier, he's a poacher, he's a great defender. Porter is, and unfortunately, he gets the best even the, even the best athletes, yeah. and um, and he's. He's hanging on. He's he's. I I can feel that as well because I was wondering whether I should have hung on for the World Cup in 2015, but I knew it was too far away. It, you know, from Kean Healy's point of view, it would be great if the World Cup was later on this year because to go another 15, 16 months is going to be a reach. Um, but you know, he's um, he's still doing a job for us. Maybe not to the same degree as Porter, but you've got to understand that he's got. 15 or 16 or 17 seasons in you know in the bag already and that takes its toll so and then it's evolved and 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 moved that's very hard to stay relevant with you know through an extended period of time so it 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 does feel as though it's an area of slight vulnerability now um with the strength and depth certainly behind you know Kean who you know will do a job for you but um, it's a pity that kind of Dave Kilcoyne, obviously through injury, hasn't really stepped up and and kind of taken on the mantle as as yeah. the you know the sub that comes off the bench to finish to finish and close games out with twenty to go. I guess if we segue into then uh, the provincial weekend weekend that was and, and Leinster's wow. loss to the Bulls, it's it's really you know you you even alluded to it earlier in the conversation. Andy Farrell must be sitting there on the back of a very good Six Nations and a very good November and thinking, oh, dude, the mood's been punctured here. And, and everybody is drawing the parallel between Leinster with 13 internationals in their side, beaten by a bull side who didn't have a single springbok in their side. And again, it's that reoccurring theme of power which has come up. And looking at Ireland now in a different light, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a funny... Andy Farrell stressed, there's, there's, look, there's Team Ireland and there's Team Leinster. I'm not sure everybody's fully buying that either. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to feel deflated by what's happened physically to the Leinster team um over the course of of the last three weeks um you know they it was a it was a defensive and tactical masterclass with la rochelle um and then just teams realize that obviously shutting down their space but also physically getting after them because they're they're not the biggest team and so you have to attack someone at one point of vulnerability and and where whether they like it or not in the past, it's where they've become unstuck. It's, sorry, it's, that's not unique to Leinster. All teams go after winning the physical, you know, physically dominating and no more than the South African teams because that's their game. But when you realise how fast and loose Leinster can play if they're given time and space on the ball and that they can play elusive and with footwork and, you know, you got to try and stamp your authority on those games. The way to do that is play it tight play it physical with bigger men and the reality is you look at the size of the second rows um even the back row um Doris you know hasn't isn't a particularly big guy physically Van der Fleer 
has been exceptional. So I'm be um, very mindful of, of kind of not speaking about him in any negative terms. I think Jack Conan has has had pretty mixed games in the last few weeks when you know it, a lot has been asked of him. So physically, you look at that back five and it's not matching to other teams, other international teams. And that's going to be the mainstay of the international team. Um, so it will always be a nervous concern. It will be because it's a, it's a way the teams can and have done in the past and can get after us. And if they can physically dominate you, it's very hard for you to get a platform to really get a, a foothold in the game. So um, it's where all sides now will think that's our Achilles heel. We just have to physically dominate them and, and you know, then we'll be able to shut them down. Yes. So it seems that uh, the Bulls, their mantra in the build of the game was one in three. Let's slow down one in three Leinster rooks. And that's how we'll go about this game. And so then if they manage to do that, then one Leinster have to resource those, those rooks further. But two, I suppose, if it is slow ball, they don't have the Rocky Elsom to say, we're going nowhere here. Take it. Get us moving. No one to bash through. That's that'd be the big issue, or, or certainly one of them, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, mind you, that said, you know, when, when the going's good for you know Leinster and Ireland, we you know we we big up the ball carrying abilities of Ty Furlong and Andrew Porter. Kelleher, I think, is a loss to that. You know, to Leinster and Ireland, not only from a, a line out operation point of view, but from a ball carrying physical specimen perspective very comfortable on the ball so he is a, a loss the reality is i think i think we're we're light in the second row literally from a weight point of view james ryan very nice footballer but has he been physically dominated in the past by maro Toji, by will skelton by other second rows the reality is yes and um joe mccarthy's not you know um with new age second rows he is you know significantly smaller than what he's going to come up against um you know when he plays against south africa if he if he does in the world cup france likewise new zealand have a couple of big units too so we we're always we don't have the physical specimens we you know we never really have had monster second rows we've Mm -hmm. had good athletes but never really but we've made the most of us so we just have to get very very accurate um i think you know, Leinster and Ireland have to have a real focus. And I know this isn't a, a chat about Leinster, but where they came on stuff as well, you know, attack, people going after the Rook. You look at the success that La Rochelle had at the Rook, and that just comes down to accuracy and winning the shoulder and being there early. And that, that's a reliance on fitness and, and bringing energy. So um, you just have to get all of the small detail really right. And that's the reality of where we are as a team against a side like the All Blacks. We've we've got to you know produce our very best and, and try and catch them on a on an off day. Yeah, and then so I'm jumping this, around from Leinster to Ireland. I know it's the weird thing. Well, it, of, yeah. no, this, well, this is the Leinster section now. I make this Leinster because Leo Cullen okay. did say afterwards. Look, it's it's not a wrong analysis to bring up the size. I know they hate when it's brought up, but he did concede that it is an issue for them. And obviously, Jason Jenkins is going to come in next season, so there there is that. I wonder if Leinster been a little slow in their recruitment over the past couple of years. But, it, but it's, you know, what have they been allowed to recruit exactly who they've hoped for? There's that committee, I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, how you've you know, passed through all international players through this committee that then, you know, will take on board your request and then decide 
whether there are enough Irish-based players in that position to warrant an overseas player or to justify an overseas player coming in and plugging in. In many cases, you know, do Ulster need some um, front five players? Absolutely. Have they probably gone out looking for them? I would imagine so. Have they been granted them all? I wouldn't think so either because they need homegrown as well. We need Tom O'Toole to be playing. You know, we need Herring, who's Irish qualified, to be able to be in there even though internationally is he possibly a little bit on the lightweight hooking you know, side of hooking. So you, you have you've, you've that obstacle as well. It's not a perfect situation for uh, the provincial teams to be in because, you know, sometimes you're lucky that you land great players and it looks like brilliant business, but increasingly you don't always get the players that you're after that you feel would plug and, and fit into a squad and make you a more rounded uh, yeah. contributor at, at Europe. So... Yeah, the Nathan Char or the Nathan uh, Hineses and the Brad Thorns and the Rocky Elsons. It's great when they land. You you often go looking for them, and you're told, you know, take a jump. Fair enough. We've made the point so often. Leinster find themselves in this strange scenario where, for ninety percent of the season, it's uh, smooth sailing, and then increasingly over the last four years, they're sucker punched. And I saw a stat during the week that Leinster played twenty eight games this season. And of those 28, just eight were one-score games, really tight games, one-score winning margins. Of those eight, Leinster have lost six of them. And and, and you just wonder, are they practiced enough at being under real pressure? And and, and even the bench, which they're low to use in these big games against La Rochelle and the Bulls, too often they're probably coming on in very nice positions, 15, 20 points up, see the game out, over to you guys and... Uh, I'm not sure what they can do about that. In some ways, they're victims of their own baseline standards, but they have to hit those higher standards in the big games, and maybe they're not practiced enough at having to do that and going to the well. Yes, is, is probably is the answer right. to that, Joe. I, I agree with you. I, I think the I, I think DRC with now with the South African teams in there over the course of the next few years, I think we'll get a better appreciation for you know more difficult contests, you know, more physical sides that, which has been the Achilles heel of Leinster of, of late. So the more times you play that consistently over the course of a, of a year, the better battle hardened you get for when you get to the business end of the season, you come up against similar opposition, you work your ways through how to, how to react to it, how to um, kind of counterpunch them, how to um, manage that physical side of the game. Whereas at the moment, so many of their games, even with second string squad, they're able to make their way through it. And we can take away from the fact that Leinster, you know, was one of the most exciting seasons in Europe. They were outstanding, but yet they've nothing to show for it. It feels so unjust in many ways, but that's the reality of it, that until you have your hands in the trophy, you're, you've got nothing. And you can play fantastic rugby in, in even knockout stages, but you've got to save your best for last. And they haven't managed to do that a few times. It also shows the depth of, of other teams where, you know, other teams are getting to finals as well. You don't fluke your way to finals. The Saracens, the La Rochelle, the Toulouse, these are all top quality teams. So, you know, there's not a lot between them on their day. And whoever turns up and delivers, uh, you know, in that big 80 minutes are the ones that walk away with the glory. And, mm. and Leinster did that in, in Bilbao against Rasting in a close game. Um, and then they, you know, they, they've got been beaten a couple of times in Champions Cup finals as well against also great sides. So it, sometimes we, we can be guilty of overanalyzing these things, but you know they're not. Answer aren't 
comfortably the best team in Europe always. They're one of the best teams. Mm. But there's other teams that are capable of beating them on the day as as has come to pass. Yeah. Maybe in some in some ways the way they cut through the lesser teams is almost deceptive. What about the lack of use of the bench? Like for instance, Joe McCarthy on for four minutes, last four minutes against La Rochelle, he got five minutes Welford Road, four minutes against Toulouse. You've Keen Healy getting two minutes of normal time against the Bulls, Sean Cronin unused substitute. It's kind of a striking thing in the modern era, not using your bench, not least up front to get in these big games. Well, I guess with that, it's it's a coach's perspective on the quality of what they have on the field, on what their numbers are looking like. So they're looking at real-time data to see whether they're dropping off at all. You know, you have to use your visual appreciation for how the person is playing versus, you know, in, in kind of collaboration with the data and, and to make your decisions. Um, so if, if a player is going well, as far as you're concerned, and, and you know working hard and doesn't look low in energy, very hard to withdraw one of your key performers, like James Ryan, even though he's you know had a bit of a a little bit of a mixed season in in reality through injury and um, and and maybe not really hitting you know the, the heights that we expect in the big games. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's maybe there's a nervousness around you know, some of the, the depth within the bench. And so when you take an Andrew Porter off, are we saying that Keen Healy is very close to Andrew Porter? I think the reality is not anymore. Mm. So you want to keep him on for as long as you possibly can because of the qualities that he brings. It's just, it's unusual for props to be playing 70, 75 minutes, but he's kind of that guy now. Um, likewise at Hooker, you look at Dan Sheehan, you know, who's been in for um, Kelleher recently. He's he's uh, he, he could be a 70, 75 minute man easily. He looks fit, looks strong. He's, um, you know, he's a young guy as well. He doesn't have many miles in the clock. So you, you've got to look at all of those different dynamics with regard to using the bench and, and whether you feel as though they're going to enhance the game or whether they're going to detract from performance. And that's a coach's prerogative and that's their perspective and they know better than you and I. Mm, no for sure and i look i do agree with you we can overanalyze these things and these conversations can almost sound a little bit entitled like why haven't leinster won i suppose it's because they look so good for so much of the season and there is now a trend and they must i mean penny for the con you know the thoughts and the conversations between lancaster and cullen this summer you'd, you'd look what are they saying to each other i wonder yeah i i think they have to remember too that they're on the right path you know and just because you come unstuck in a couple of big games, you know, they lost, you know, they, they, I think this, the Bulls was a bit of a shock, you yeah. know, that one, whatever about La Rochelle, we shouldn't have been shocked by them. We've been beaten by them the year before. It was never a, you know, 12 or 13 point spread in a final. That just, that's ridiculous. And so, and, and yet they lost by three points to La Rochelle, who played really well and Leinster a little bit off. And that, that, that is the margins for, you know, from a differential point of view, as to victories and defeats in key moments, I think the Bulls one was a was a was a bit more concerning because there was, you know, lots of unforced errors, very un-Leinster-like moments, and I think that's where you kind of go, oh, is that tiredness creeping in? Why why weren't they on? Why weren't they switched on for another big knockout game? Mm. So as much as the first, the initial Champions Cup, you kind of tip your cap to. Um, to, to La Rochelle I think the Bulls like you said with no internationals and Leinster with 13 why weren't they able to get that job done yeah. so a little bit more forensically they've got to look through you know what it is about their performance that they need to modify for when they get to that opportunity you know get to that place again this time next year hopefully okay 
So um, listen, it's it's an interesting point in the season for sure. So I, I, two months ago, it would have been wow, what a brilliant Six Nations and Leinster look fantastic. Now, what I think you're saying is Leinster in crisis, and if Ireland winning <laughs> one of the five games, that would be amazing. There you go. There's your headline. <laughs> yeah, right? there, there, that was Joe Malloy's headline for anyone that's listening. <laughs> um, thanks so much. It's going to be inter- interesting couple of months ahead. Thanks a million. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers, Joe. Nice one. That was Brian O'Driscoll. Our rugby coverage is with thanks to Vodafone, official sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.